As we were this morning, we're back this evening in Joshua chapter 1. Title this morning was Victorious Christian Living. And to hyperalliterate, this evening is Victorious Christian Leading. And we're going to look at the rest of chapter 1 of Joshua. We saw this morning that victory in one's spiritual life comes from obeying God, being prepared for spiritual warfare, entering into that by faith. This evening, it has to do with leadership. And what I mean by that is by virtue of you, as a child of God, knowing the truth, having a love for God, carrying uh, the conviction in your heart that the Word of God is inspired, inerrant, authoritative, that you care about the eternal plight of the lost because you live a distinctly Christian life in word and deed, others are watching. You are a leader. And I don't say that in a, um, just in a superficial, such a editorial way that's so generic in general that, that it doesn't mean anything. You yourself are a leader. You very well may be the only genuine blood-bought child of God some folks personally know. You may be, not, not maybe, most of you here, practically all if not all of you adults and even you teenagers, you know more theology than 99% of the masses in society. Right? You do. You, you can speak more definitively and authoritatively than the, 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 the 90 plus percentile of the people out there walking on the street. Think about that. What a privileged position as a leader. As a leader uh, representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In fact, you have been appointed as an ambassador from the greatest potentate in the universe. <laughs> that is an amazing thing that you have been appointed as such. And so God would have us, me, you, walk in victory in that realm. Now, that is a truth, and I've coupled it with the prospect of calling a new assistant pastor who would help lead us. But most of us here are leaders. In fact, we serve God in many ways. We had lunch this afternoon for the employees and deacons and, uh, and spouses and, and all. And to give Garrett and Catherine uh, Scribina a comfort level, we went around, stood in line actually, and introduced ourselves and basically said what we do in uh, this church, what our role is. It was so refreshing to hear person after person, not bragging, because that was the assignment given to each one. Tell us everything you do here. And each one went on and on, and I've been involved in this, and I lead this ministry, and uh, uh, my, my passion is for here, and I'm now doing this, or I'm taking on this role. And, and it wasn't one item for any given person. It was a number of items per person. So if you ever hear the, uh, uh, the concept of 20% of the people do 80% of the work, that is not the case at Redbridge. It's 80% of the people doing 90% of the work. 
It really is. There is that kind of involvement. Why? Because as a believer, you, by definition, are a leader. You represent the king of kings in a pagan world. And you do, throw, do so to some degree through his body as well as as an evangelist out in society. So, who are we? Well, we are servants who serve on committees, help lead in worship, work in Awana, teach Sunday school, um, serve in extended care with children, help in finances by bringing an offering, part of small group. Many, many ways we function as leaders in society and in God's church. And so this evening, I want us to be victorious in our leadership individually. Then, of course, the whole is made of the sum of the parts uh, as a local church as well. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1. We read through verse 8 this morning. We'll review it in just a moment in the first point. But picking up to verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whether, wherever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host. Command the people, saying, Prepare food supplies. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Now, I have to imagine, parenthetically, he called the group leaders, to go and tell the people, command them, get your food supplies in order, get it all packed up, put a sack lunch together, because we're going over the Jordan River in three days. They had to have been thinking, did I miss a bridge along the way? I didn't see a bridge. Remember, it was 40 years since the parting of the Red Sea. Oh, they had heard stories, but those folks had all died off, those who were older than 20 years of age. So this was a new deal for the majority of them. They had to have been wondering, you're going to cross over and uh, you're going to possess the land, verse 10, which the Lord giveth you to possess. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites, that is the tribes of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, spoke Joshua saying, remember the word which the servant, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you. That is on the east side of the Jordan. They came to Moses in Numbers chapter 32 and said, we want to stay on this side. And Moses shrieked, shall your brethren go to war and you stay here? What are you talking about? And so they agreed that Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, the men would go in, drive out the enemy, and then come back and settle on the east side of the Jordan. And so Joshua is saying to them, I'm honoring that commitment that you, you all and Moses made, and I'm reminding you of your responsibility. You all get the context? That's what's going on here. Verse 14, your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but you shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord hath, has given your brethren rest as he hath given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then you shall return into the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, uh, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, 
and wherever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he is that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong and of good courage. How can you make a positive difference as a leader? Let me offer three thoughts from this text. First of all, from verses 1 through 5, which we considered this morning, a godly leader, a victorious Christian leader, must build upon a firm foundation, a firm foundation. The book of Joshua records the military campaigns of Israel as Joshua led them in possessing the land. Three millennia ago, they had been given, actually uh, it was further back than that originally when they were told they were going to be given it, but when they actually inherited it, it was about 3,000 years ago, give or take, known as the promised land. And Genesis 15 describes that territory. Um, God gave it to them. But they hadn't entered in. They had not yet entered in. And I got to thinking about that, and before I'm too hard on Israel for not possessing all that God had given them, I need to check inventory of the blessings in my own life. Am I accessing, am I walking in victory in every area of my time, my talents, my treasure that the Lord has entrusted to me? You see, I I don't have everything. I don't have all the resources that everyone else has. But I have some resources, amen, and you do as well. And you're here uh, this evening, uh, and you're healthy enough to be here. And you had enough money to to somehow be transported here, and you're wearing clothing, and you're in your right mind. So you have blessings which have been provided for you from the Lord. You've been given foundational things in life. And I'm to take care of God's property because he's the one who has given it. Amen. I need to build upon the firm foundation as Joshua told the people. A foundation is that which is built upon and it follows. uh, It supports all that follows in the building. Uh, Joshua, what is that foundation? Well, Joshua, Joshua had seen the miracles in Egypt. During the Exodus, Caleb as well. He had seen Moses lead some two million ill-equipped people out of bondage of Egypt through the Red Sea and 40 years in the wilderness. He was part of that inner circle of the 12 spies who went and spied out the land. And yet, even though Moses had warts and weaknesses, he still was used of God to establish that firm foundation upon which Joshua would build and there have been those who have gone on uh, have gone on who came before you in this church maybe just in your own spiritual life and they've laid the foundation and they built upon that foundation and you are here and I am here now to continue to build upon the firm foundation and what is that firm foundation well for us it begins with the gospel neither is there salvation any other he is the cornerstone of uh, that foundation and so beloved as believers we've been handed that firm foundation which is why we sing and I was rehearsing it again today 
how firm a foundation you saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. You see, if, uh, if, I, could, if I could be so bold as to say so, when we go out through the, uh, through the internet, don't know how that thing works, but I'm guessing it does, that we alone, that is Bible-believing followers of Christ, we alone possess the firm foundation of life in Christ through his authoritative word. That is an amazing thing. We have something to give to the nations and to one another as leaders because our lives are grounded on that firm foundation. In fact, it says in Jude verse 3, we have the faith once delivered to the saints. That is the trustworthy word of God. And in addition to that, as saved people, we have gifts and talents and opportunities and wealth and, and health and education and on and on and on to continue to build upon that firm foundation. So are you building? <clears throat> and from what I've heard today, what I've been reminded of today, so many of us here, in fact the majority of us, truly are building on that. Now as a local church, Folks, we have a firm foundation. Uh, the Scribinas have never heard me say that. This Most of you have. <clears throat> Redbridge, in our 58th year, we incorporated in 1965. Uh, Kathy reminds me, two great things happened in 1965. Redbridge was born and Kathy was born. <laughs> she, wa- she wants me to be reminded of that. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, since 1965, <clears throat> there has never been a moment in the history of this church of anything but embracing orthodox theology. That is a wonder in our day, amen? That is a glory to God. Every single moment of every day for 58 years coming up this fall, our BBC has held to, thus saith the Lord. Now we haven't always known what it means because we're not omniscient. We struggle sometimes with application because there's weakness but make no mistake about it the conviction the foundational conviction is 58 years deep with not not a scintilla there is not any straw sewn into that foundation that is glorious what a foundation upon which to build now notice uh, the promise associated with the firm foundation in verse 5 If you'll notice this promise associated with the firm foundation, so I will be with thee at the end of it. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. In fact, Hebrews 13, 5 tells us, he has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Child of God, you can do whatever God has called you to do as a leader. You are a leader. I am a leader. In the realm of, uh, of, of representing Christ to this world. And in this world, will I be a faithful leader? Building upon the firm foundation which has been given to me. Provided for me and provided for you. Secondly, we see in verses 6 through 9. A godly leader must exercise fearless faith. Uh, that, that is a certainty. I'm so thankful that God the Spirit moved upon Joshua to record three times in verses 6 to 9 
the command to be strong and be courageous because godly leaders, believers, you, you're going to face difficult decisions. Uh, and, and, and you're going to have to determine direction. And you're going to have to deal with dissension. Maybe even within your own family. Uh, extended family. Your neighborhood. On the job. Maybe even within the local church. And so we are called not to be arrogant. Not to be uh, uh, resistant. And all this. But to be strong and courageous. So that we don't. And oh my, let me pull over and preach for a second. So many times, uh, blood-bought believers will face a difficulty in a family, uh, in a church family, and look for the escape hatch. Look for the easy path out. Instead of running at the problem, running at the difficulty, for the glory of God, in fearless faith, with the motivation uh, of wanting it to be resolved um, and, uh, and, and healed uh, instead, folks will hit the emergency exit uh, and run away, which, of course, the, the problem just continues to follow that one. And so leadership is no place for the fearful, and all believers are leaders to some degree. Therefore, walk in fearless faith. I, uh, <clears throat> I once saw a cartoon in a Christian magazine. And a pastor was uh, addressing a, a, a group, a class, uh, talking about when he was a kid. And he said, when I was a kid, I'd go up to someone's front porch. I'd, I'd run up on somebody's front porch, I'd ring the doorbell, run away, run like the Dickens. He says, I still do, only now we call it church visitation. <laughs> a leader doesn't have that type of fearfulness. He or she must walk with fearless faith, in integrity, in humility, in transparency. Why? Well, because to repeat the same hymn, a a verse from it, because we don't need to fear. God is with us. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee. I'll help thee. I'll cause you to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand now those are the words of a hymn but it communicates biblical theology and he told Joshua God told Joshua I am going to take care of you every step of the way as I told that to Moses I'm reaffirming it with you follow me trust me notice what fortifies fearless faith how do you work that up well you don't work it up uh, you, you, you receive it. It's imputed to you from the actual word of God. Look at verse 7. The end of verse 7. Turn not from it, that is, all that's in the word of God, to the right hand, to the left. And if you do, if you hold on to this, you'll prosper wherever thou goest. Verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. At the end of it, but thou shalt have good success when I'm burdened when I'm fearful when I'm weak folks I am always fortified when I come to the word of God believing when I take in the the nutrition of scripture I'm strengthened I come away stronger and you will and you do as well as a child of God because that is simply the the script 
that the Lord has written that you will be strengthened. You will be built up. In fact, we know the verse, Romans 10, 17, faith, the capacity to believe God to the point of obeying him. How do we get that? It comes by hearing the word of God. Now, let me show you something. And, and I, I, I'm all but certain. I'm, in fact, I am certain. I've shared this before. But what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, Ephesians 5, 18 commands us, be filled with the Spirit. And Colossians 3, 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What follows Ephesians 5, 18 and follows Colossians 3, 16 is substantively the very same principles. So, that which flows from this fount also flows from this fount or this spigot. Ergo, Ephesians 5.18 and Colossians 3.16 are essentially saying the very same thing. To be filled in the, with the Spirit is to have God's Word running, permeating through your soul moment by moment, day by day. It's meditating. It's memorizing. It is taking it in um, and being strengthened in that. So to walk by faith in the power of the Spirit is to be saturated in God's word. Not in, a, uh, not in a, uh, um, a dutiful way, but in a disciplined way. That is, I'm actually going to take in this nutritious food because it's better for me than the cotton candy of the world and I'm going to be strengthened as a result of it. So, uh, I walk in fearless faith in this world. And then, finally, a godly leader must earn faithful fellowship. Um, I'm convinced that the most, did I share, I didn't share that, did I? Oh, this is a good quote. Uh, no, that's not up yet. Let me, let, me, let me go past that and I'll come back, remind me to come back to that. A godly leader must earn faithful fellowship. I'm convinced that the most victorious Christian leader comes first from being the most faithful follower of those over him or over her. Joshua was a faithful follower of Moses and the Lord and the people knew it. Therefore, they didn't have any problem following him. God made Joshua a trusted leader and he had credibility in the eyes of the followers because he was that. For a long time, for decades, Joshua was also a follower following uh, the leadership of Moses. And so, in no time, as soon as they come to the Jordan River, he has credibility in the eyes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh when they said, we cut a deal with Moses that we're staying over here because this is where our cattle are going to be able to graze and we're going to build farms and, and the like. And Joshua said, okay, let me remind you of your responsibility. And they said to the degree that we will keep our end of the bargain to the degree if there is even one man who doesn't, we're going to put him to death. They trusted one another. They... Uh, they were faithful followers because they trusted that leader. As Christian leaders, we have to earn the respect of others. 
so that they will find our testimony credible. Now, think about that in your neighborhood. Think about that in the workplace. Uh, Kathy and I uh, greeted a brand new uh, neighbor couple, just moved into the neighborhood. And uh, after we chatted a bit, and they were, they were heading in a direction, they were occupied, so we didn't have any time with them. Uh, one of them said, uh, we're going to have you guys over for a drink. So just like that. They didn't know us from, from anywhere. Uh, maybe I looked thirsty. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, the reason was, other than it's the, the normal worldly thing to say, right? Uh, we're going to have you guys over for a drink and, and get to know each other. And I don't know, I'm going to believe the Spirit of God gave this to me. I said, thank you so much. Make mine unsweetened, dark, brewed iced tea. And I said it just like that. And one of the people said, you know, I like that too. (laughs) So maybe that's what we'll have. What was I doing? Establishing a footing on the front end. So that I would have... Because it's going to come up. Oh, you, you, don't, you don't consume alcohol. Why is that? Um, uh, and on and on. So that's the kind of thing. Yet there must be a credible witness if you're going to be a leader. And that means consistency, steadfastness in following him. And that was, we had the best example uh, to follow on that. Because Jesus, for 33 years was obedient to his parents while he was growing up. He grew in favor with God and man. That's an amazing statement in scripture. How does the God-man grow in favor with God and man? He submitted himself to government authorities. He said, I always do the will of him who sent me. He was under authority. Quote I, I showed you earlier from, is that on there? Let me see. No, bring that quote up if you would, y'all. Uh, from, uh, I don't know where, I, I've lost it. I don't know where it is in the outline. Uh, it's from, uh, from Professor John Vaughn of Southwest Baptist University. He said this in, in uh, uh, three decades ago in an article he wrote. He says, while it's true that some pastors are better leaders than others, it's also true that great fellowship oftentimes encourages great leadership. Uh, and so it's both ways. When I was the associate here for seven years, the, and, uh, and before that, when I was a layman here, starting in 1980, right out of the Navy, Pastor Max Morris, the Lord was king and is king. And I'm following the Lord. But I recognized Hebrews 13 tells me uh, that God has placed in the local church leaders, overseers. And so... The best I knew and the best I could, and I don't, I don't recall any, uh, any infraction in that, I looked to him as the leader in that local church. And I did the very same thing for seven years under the leadership of Pastor Bud Long. And at least to some degree, that has to answer for why I've been able to lead here for 30 years, because had I not had that track record, you never would have entrusted me with more leadership. You all follow that argument? And so it's both ways. I wanted to be a blessing to them under whom I was to follow, and I wanted to, in fact, uh, honor the Lord and, um, 
and be a leader in what, wherever God would have me. And so you will not hear me bad-mathing the governor or the president uh, or a Supreme Court justice. Um, you will hear me disagreeing with policy, but I take very seriously the principle of authority and fellowship. It is a credibility issue for me anyway. It's a conscience issue for me. Are y'all, y'all hearing what I'm saying? You might not agree with this, uh, but that's what happened here. Moses is dead. Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh have all of this territory laid out on the east side of the Jordan River. Joshua, uh, were you aware uh, that in Numbers chapter 32, they didn't say Numbers 32, but we arranged this with Moses? Oh yeah, I'm aware. And I'm going to honor that commitment. And here's your responsibility. And so they did, and it was just fine. Child of God, you are a leader. You've been given the firm foundation of the gospel, the love of God, being secure in him. You're called to walk in fearless faith. You're called to follow leadership while you yourself also are a leader in your own right. And in doing all of that, you're going to walk in victory. And I'm going to walk in victory for the glory of God. Amen? May that be the case. Pastor Scabrina, come on up. Our right hand didn't know what our left hand was doing. I didn't uh, let Mark know that uh, I'd ask you to lead us in an offertory prayer. Um, and so... Uh, um, we didn't do that, but I want you to pray for us uh, and, uh, and just uh, commit uh, our, our individual leadership role uh, to the Lord and to be used of him in these days. And then we'll be dismissed in just a moment. He has spoken all of these words that we heard tonight. You have given each of us, as blood-bought, Holy Spirit-regenerated believers, a responsibility. You have made us each leaders in one capacity or another, within the spheres of influence that you have given us. May we recognize this truth. May we take it as the solemn charge that you have given us. Holy Spirit, grant us the power, the wisdom, the discipline necessary to carry out whatever that leadership may look like. May you be glorified in how we speak to others, how we interact with them, whether they are fellow believers or not. May you be glorified in all that we do. Prepare us for the leadership roles that we will face in the coming week. Through the name of Jesus, our great high priest and our great king, we pray.